Good morning, church. Good morning, good morning. It is a joy to worship with you this morning here at First Presbyterian Church. I add my greetings to those that you have already heard. My name is Alex Laurie. I serve here on staff at First Pres, and it is just, again, a delight to worship with you this morning. Today, uh, we are going to continue our series of looking into the Gospel of Mark. Uh, We have just recently finished chapter 4, and we are entering chapter 5 in continuation of this theme of hope and faithfulness that God, and and particularly Jesus, is demonstrating to the disciples and to those that are in the surrounding areas. Uh, God is faithful, and he is good, and he has a message, and he has a purpose of the direction that he is taking us on. He's taking us on a grand adventure, and he desires you to come alongside with it. So please join me as I read uh, from Mark 5. You don't have to recite it alongside with me. It is a huge text, thanks be to God. So we're going to have a ton to chew into, uh, but there are some things that the Lord has pressed on uh, my heart this morning, and I just pray that the Lord be honored as we dive into this word. So hear now the word of the Lord from Mark chapter 5, verses 1 through 20. And they came to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, to the country of the Gesserines. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and he wrenched the chains apart, and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountain, he was always crying out, cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjourn you by God. Do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. He begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down to the steep bank to the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told the city and in the country, and the people came to see what what had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had been legion, sitting there clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those that had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. And he was getting onto the boat, and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends. Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and everyone marveled. 
The grass, all flesh is grass, and all its beauty is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. Father, you are worthy of our praise. And before a single request comes out of our mouth, Lord, before a single request comes out of our heart, Lord, we desire to worship and honor you this day. Father, we pray that as we uh, look into Scripture and we pray that you would reveal how your word works, Lord, we ask that you would open our hearts and our minds to the truth of who you are. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be holy and pleasing to you. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Be with us in this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen. So again, this morning we come to our sermon series again. We're continuing here. Uh, And this journey first started as we have been preaching here in in Mark chapter 4. And it it all started with a parable. I don't know if we remember that far back. And and it started with the parable of the sower that had urged those that were listening, those who have ears to hear, let them hear. So we've asked this question over and over and over again. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear in the context of faithfulness. We have seen and heard time and time again that Mark is tugging on the hearts of those that are reading and that this was a focused moment that was not only highlighted, but needed to describe an authentic faith. Last time I preached here, uh, Jesus had made the bold and powerful statement that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, one that relentlessly grows and becomes a blessing for others. It fulfilled countless prophecies from before. And last week, Becky preached about a savior that calms the winds and the waves with three words, peace, be still. Mark proceeds from here in this letter to share an account of a demon-possessed man. We needed to remember that this is not only the first demon that had been possessed that has encountered Jesus in the book of Mark. You see, in Mark chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, we see this uh, first account of Jesus encountering a man with an unclean spirit. And in Mark 3, chapter, 11, uh, chapter 3, verses 11 through 12, it says, And whenever the unclean spirits saw him, so there were multiple. This is not Jesus' first rodeo. He knows what's about to go down. And when the, most, when the unclean spirits saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, You are the Son of God. And he strictly ordered them not to make him known. He silenced them. He set them free and he silenced them because it wasn't time yet because our God is strategic. Jesus is strategic, he's calculated, and he's driven by a kingdom purpose. And we see this purpose completely demonstrated in the text that we see this morning. At the end of a chaotic and broken moment made peaceful on a boat where the situation on the outside started to affect the situation on the inside of the boat to the point where disciples were saying, we're going to perish. Jesus calms the storms. At the end of a broken, chaotic moment made peaceful. And then we come to the shore at the end of this journey and yet another moment of its own chaotic brokenness. 
Thus, I'll try to highlight three points that have moved my heart when we see this text. There's so much to dive in, but these are the three that have pricked my heart. That healing is coming and has come. That deliverance is coming and has come. And that God's mercy has been given to his people. Mercy has come, deliverance is here, and his mercy is given. Healing has come. Yes, you must hear me that, though I want to remain in this text of chapter 5, the weight of what just happened that Becky preached about last week must be addressed. Jesus sets out on the boat in the midst of a storm while his disciples were scared for their lives. And Jesus calms the winds and the waves. And as a disciple, if I was a disciple, right, if I was a disciple on that boat, and and maybe you might be, I'm on the boat now, right? You're picturing yourself on this boat. And you start seeing, and you've been boating all your life. You know exactly how a boat works, you know, and and you're there with your homies. You're like, dude, we just see, we just been healing people left and right. My homie Jesus is the best of the best. This is great. He's over there chilling, sleeping downstairs. We got this. Not a problem. And boom, a storm hits your way, and you thought every ability that you had ever acquired in your entire life, Ryan, had prepared you for this moment. But wouldn't you find it interesting? Wouldn't you find it interesting? You know, people say that, that um, God, doesn't, God will not put you in a place that you cannot overcome, right? Like, God, God won't set you up that way. No, 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 no. Let me tell you this. God will put you in clear positions where only God can do what he does. And you've got to lean on him. He will perfectly place you in moments where you will have to cry out to Abba, Father. And so here you are as the disciples thinking, hey, yo, hold on, hold up, wait a minute, Jesus. I mean, we we just finished this storm. I mean, Jesus Christ. Yes, you. Yeah, we we just finished this storm. Yes, and I, I know you're trying to teach us lessons, right, of faithfulness. And yeah, it was cool when it started, right, when we had, you know, clever and super relatable parables. But sweet Jesus, come on now, a storm? I'm all wet now. You know what I mean? Like a storm? You brought me through a storm to get to this other side, right, to a destination. Why would you put us through that, Jesus? Why would you put us through a situation like that? I mean, we're your disciples. Don't you love us? Jesus sits there, and my, my only assumption is that he sits there and knows that because I have something to show you. And someone needs my help. And it will be a witness of who I am because clearly the question is still fresh on their lips right there in Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, the last question that they asked, what was it? Who is this? Who is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? Those are their last words, the disciples. Who is this? So when we look at the context clues, we enter to the shore. And the clues that we, where they land in this text, they arrive on the shore of a secular town, a Gentile town. We know this for several reasons. One was because the, the pigs were too close to the town. They were real close. Next was the herdsmen that were touching and affiliating with these pigs went straight into the town and went into the city. There was no need of stopping for purification, right? And finally, when they saw at the very end of this entire story, they ushered and pushed Jesus away. They drove him out. 
And when we enter this text, knowing that this is a secular town, what do we see immediately as we enter chapter 5? We see a man immediately run to Jesus. And I mean run. The boy is on it. Boom, I'm gone, right? He's on it. Now, you see, in football, right, because I used to play some football, right, and we used to have this thing called a lineman jog. Maybe some of you may know it, maybe you don't. A lineman jog is typically when we, because, you know, we, we're, a little, we're a little bit more blessed and highly favored than the other people, you know what I'm saying? A little bit more blessed, right? We're a little bit more blessed. And, like, if this is the pace of, like, walking right here, like, this is the pace of walking, a lineman jog is literally the same pace, but it just looks like you have more energy. So you're like, you're like this. You got to add the shoulders. You're like, oh, coach, I'm coming. I'm coming, coach. He's like, hey, put, put some pep in your step. I'm coming, coach. I got you right here. I'm on the way, right? You're going the same speed, but it just looks. It, it looks cool. I would hope it looks cool. I, it actually, it didn't look cool at all. That's probably the reason why. Yeah, praise the Lord. Got called to ministry. Praise God. But in the end of the day, that was my lineman jog, right? That's, what I, that's, that's the effort that I had back then. This man did not run like that. This man didn't run the way that I would have ran, indifferent, knowing that I had maybe it all together. I had a privilege to play some ball. I was doing an extracurricular activity. This was just fun. He didn't run like that. The moment Jesus hit the shore, boom, he was there. And you know how the, the Bible describes this man? This man was a man of an unclean spirit. He was dirty. He lived among the tombs. He was isolated and lonely. And though it says that he broke chains, it was very clear that though he was given this supernatural ability to break chains, no matter how many chains he broke, he was still held captive and enslaved by the spirit that dwelled in him. Y'all see what I'm talking about? And night and day it said that he was crying out. Night and day. It shows that this man was a sorrowful man. My brother was hurting. And it says that he began to cut himself. He didn't love himself or who he had become. He was self-destructive. And so with his first words were, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? Son of the most high God. Now, Scripture doesn't clarify who is speaking in this exact moment. We don't know if this is the man himself bursting through saying something or those that are possessing him, with, or it maybe it might be a little bit of both. But what we know is that in this case, this man says, Jesus, Son of the Most High God. And what do we know? That though the disciples had been following Jesus... Living with Jesus, breaking bread with Jesus, crying with Jesus, rejoicing with Jesus, celebrating with Jesus, dwelling with Jesus. They still had no idea who this man was. Yet it was a demon-possessed man that knew exactly what it was about when the real one came into town. It wasn't the disciples it was a man that was hurting, possessed, twisted, hurting, crying out. You would come to think that the demon would run. He would run for the hills. He was already there. He would run and hide. 
But where can you run? Man, I'm going to tell you right now. Where can you run and where can you hide from the love and the grace and the hope that is in Jesus Christ? Nowhere. There is nowhere you can go. There is nothing new under the sun. Our Savior is in hot pursuit of those that are hurting. And he knows that the, who the champion is. And it is this Lord, this Savior that has come to his town. Amen. Amen. It is that day. Amen. Praise God. Yes, Lord Jesus. We see it when, the, when, when, when we say healing is on its way, there is a need of which, it, uh, that when we say that there's healing on its way, and to say healing, that means the wounded must be mended. That means those that are in pain must be comforted. Right? And that those that are sick will be made whole. And the truth is this. Jesus just crossed a lake for one person. That's why I referenced what we needed to see in chapter 4. You were tripping because the boat is about to capsize and you think you're about to die in the boat with Jesus. Who is this that would command the winds and the waves? You're still drenched. You're still wet. Jesus is trying to talk to you about faithfulness. And the first thing you find out is that Jesus was so strategic that he crossed this whole body of water in the midst of a storm, in the midst of a wave to do what? Bring freedom to one person. One person. And was this person wealthy? No. Was he in good standing? No. Was he confident? No. Was he of good reputation? No. No, he came for the broken. In Isaiah chapter 61, verses 1 through 2, it shows how Isaiah was prophesying about this. That the day of the Lord is coming and church, the day of the Lord has come and is coming. Because with Jesus entering into this world, the kingdom of God is at hand. And what does Isaiah say about this prior, years and years before? The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has set me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and to open the prisons for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. Healing has come, deliverance is here, and his mercy is given. Friends, I need to tell you that healing has come. And if you are someone right now that is crying out, you're mourning, you're afraid, and you're scared, I've come to tell you that healing has come. If you haven't seen the moments in your life that have been comforting, I need you to know that healing is on its way. And his name is faithful. And even, even the blessing, right? And even if the healing is not exactly what you think, and you might be blessed with the complete healing and going to go and be with our Father. Our Father hears your prayers, and he hears you cry out. This man was tormented. And Jesus came and heard his cries from a graveyard. 
He came. Thanks be to God also. It's not just the healing. It is the deliverance that Jesus gave this man. Healing has come. Deliverance is here. Mercy is given. And as we read this text, these demons that captivated this man, right, to say that you are in need of deliverance is to say that you were at once free. You were at once free. And either by your own decisions or the decisions forced upon you, you have been captivated and said, uh, you have been captivated, captivated by said brokenness. This man, for him to speak the way that he did, this was a position that was his final resting place among the tombs of a multitude of decisions. We know this because we see the response of the people in the town in this account of Mark. It says, though that he had been placed in chains, he would break free from them. So clearly the town was trying to do something about it. This possession that he had, though it gave him a power that was seemingly supernatural, it was poison to his soul. Another note is where he was living, living among the dead. Now, not only is there great weight because the fact a tomb is considered unclean and what would need to be cleansed by Jewish customs, but in the face of, in this face value, he was run out. He was run out, pushed away, and he was at his wit's end. The decision that invited such destruction took him to a place where others would never consider going, to the grave. It took him to the grave where there is death. And you would come to think beyond redemption. How do you heal death? How can you be set free? The dialogue continues where the demon-possessed man share their name that it is legion. For we are many. Like that's going to scare Jesus off. Jesus rebukes the demons, having not want, and them pleading, not wanting to be casted out. They say, do not torment me. When I was looking at scripture, I had to put this side by side to what we see in Matthew's account and what we also see in Luke's account. And in Matthew's account, it says, do not torment me before it is time. Before it is time. Right? And then the demon also pleaded in Luke's account said, do not cast me out of the town. But in Luke's account, it says, do not cast me out into the abyss. This is the reason why we have scripture interpret scripture. Your boy ain't bringing no new revelation. I'm just trying to point you to what Jesus is already trying to communicate with you. And what he's trying to communicate is that in this moment, in the face of demons, they were crying out and they were whimpering. And Jesus is being strategic. The only way Jesus could do something as direct as torturing someone is to destroy and to finish, bring his judgment, and to finish the work he had started. But we know that day will come, and it's not at that moment, right? The only reason why they wouldn't want to be sent out of the land or sent into the abyss is because this life would have to pass. But that day is not here yet. We eagerly await for it, right? We eagerly await for Jesus' return because he's coming back. Praise God. He's coming back, but that's not now in this text. Thus, this man was delivered. 
the demons were cast out. And now we do not know why Jesus allowed them to go into the swine, but the possession led the swine to perish. The pigs ran into their own abyss. No coming back from that. Have you heard of moments when God has allowed something to happen that was unfortunate? That we would sit there and be like, why, Lord? Why would you do that? Have you considered my man Job? Our, G- our God is strategic. And he has a purpose. And he knows what he's doing. And we were just talking about faithfulness, and I'm trying to, I just want to communicate this. He wants you to trust him. He wants you to be faithful. In the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the anxieties, in the midst of the fear, he desires you to be a people of faith. Healing is coming. Healing is coming. We know how that story went about Job. And Jesus, in all of his sovereignty, being Lord. This man became delivered from his own actions and from his own situation because the power of Christ that compelled him, just as those movie quotes say, but this is the real thing here. Friends, what is it that has captivated your heart? Because if you read this story, you would surely come there to sit, sit there and think, this isn't me. This isn't me. What are you talking about? I live in a good home, not a graveyard. My friend group loves me. Surely I'm not isolated. I mean, I, I go to the gym occasionally, you know what I'm saying? I mean, though I can't break no chains, you know what I mean? Get them 25 dumbbells, bottle let's go, right? <laughs> I have a good home, I have a good friend group. I might go to the gym occasionally, but I'm not that strong. Maybe not. Maybe that's not you. Maybe. Maybe when you go home or with your, when, you're fa- when you're with your family or those that you live with, you feel hurt. And you feel a sense of heaviness of your heart when you hit the door. And deep inside your soul and your heart, you want to say, help me! Help me! Maybe. Maybe when you're with your great friend group, and you're there chilling and having fun and smiles. But you're afraid to tell them that you wrestle with addictions and brokenness of what's happened before. And you remain silent, knowing deep in your heart you want to say, help me! Please help me! And maybe you might not have chains on you, literally, that bind you physically. But the chains of your sin captivate you. And you continue to cry out, help me! My Jesus set me free. Beloved, I'm telling you, just as this man here, the moment Jesus hit the shore, run, beloved. My prayer to you is that you would run like no other. Run like you've never run before into the arms of a good, good father. Run into the arms of a good, good king. Run into the arms of a savior that gave his life and loves you. Because just like freedom is just within reach, just like deliverance is right at the door, run because he is already chasing you and he is pursuing you and he loves you. And even if you had to cross a lake of a calming storm that was going to and fro, deliverance has come, amen? It's hit your shore, it's at your door, it's in this place right here, right now. 
Remember what it said in Isaiah. The Spirit of the Lord came upon me because the Lord anointed me for the good news to the poor. You get to share this with others. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty for the captives, opening the prisons for those who've been bound, and proclaim the years of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of God to comfort those who mourn. This is a man that was once bound and now is set free. He had been living among the dead, and now he's been given new life, and he's cried out with pain and sorrow, and now tears of joy, of proclamation of the new freedom that he has. He was once destroying his own body, and he has been made restored, amen, because Jesus came. And finally, church, mercy. Mercy. The definition of mercy reads, compassion or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within their own power to punish or to harm. To talk mercy, again, this is referencing the very end of the text which is such a curveball, because he doesn't tell them to go tell them how he is healed. Don't tell them how he was delivered. He says, go and tell them how the Lord had mercy on you. To talk mercy means that we first have to talk justice. And there's a point in our faith walk where the depth of our maturity and the depth of the, our own awareness has to rise and or deepen, one or the other. Get closer to Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Right? It has to rise. Mm -hmm. where your maturity continues to grow because you are so in love. This is why when we take communion, check this, this is why when we take communion, you don't just eat it. When you take the bread and the cup, you are called to examine yourself. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I don't have a slide for it. Make sure you check that out. You have to examine yourself. Church, isn't it so interesting and beautiful the way that this text ended? And no, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on how the, the city drove them out because sometimes we're afraid of what we don't know. And sometimes that gives us a sense of insecurity when we don't know where God is trying to leave us. But I'm trying to tell you, do not be like these townspeople that in the midst of the fear of not knowing where God is leading you, that you're like, oh, you know what, just eject. Let me just lean on my own understanding and lean on my own power. Don't do that. And though I don't want to spend too much time in that, we see that in, in Mark, again, chapter 5, we see this man declare to say, I'm going to follow you, right? Mark 5, 19 through 20, again, he says, as he was getting to the boat, the man that had been possessed with the demons begged him that he might be with him. Begged, pleaded earnestly, I want to go with you, Jesus. Look where I've come from and look where I've been and look how they treat me and look how they talk. I want to go with you. And he did not permit him and said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and proclaimed and everyone marveled. I think it speaks volume for him to want to go to Jesus, to be so sold out for the Savior that has set him free to share the good news of what Jesus has done to the lost and to the broken. But Jesus says, no, you can't come with me. You know what's hard? The moment you've encountered mercy and grace and love, going back. It's hard to go back to the people you've hurt. It's hard to go back 
to the family you've pushed away. It's hard to go back to a town you may have terrorized or may you have done wrong. It's hard to go back to places where you've been pushed and yet Jesus commanded him. This is a powerful message because this is where sometimes the shame that we carry about the things that we have done in our past and the words that we have said and the actions that we've committed keep us from doing things. Yet just as it was by Christ's power for you have been set free, it is that same power that will give you the words to speak. The same power that freed you is the same power that's going to give you the words to speak boldly, confidently about what the Lord has done. And what will those words be that the Lord will give you? My God has had mercy on me. My God has had mercy on me. The one who had walked away, the one who had did those things, the one had hurt, the one that was doing the hurting, me? Me. Friends, this is us. This man in this text, my prayer is that you would somehow, some way, identify with this man. My friends, go and tell them. Go back to your family. This is, your, this is my charge to you. Go to your friends that you may have hurt. Go back to your family. Go back to your people group. Go back to your old coworkers. Whoever you need to go to, go back to them and tell them that the Lord had mercy on you and that it was right, right? This is what we need to also tell ourselves, that it was right for judgment to have fallen on me because of my own actions, because of my own disobedience, and because of my own rebellion. Yet, God had mercy on me. Please forgive me. Let me tell you I love you. And in the same way that I'm loved, this love is for you, and this mercy is for you. You might sit there and be saying, God, why me, oh God? Why me? Why would you send me? I need you to know that Jesus is quietly, lovingly, and gently telling you, because I'm not done with you. I am not done with you, son, daughter of the living king. I'm not done with you, that's why. I love you, that's why. Because my mercies are new each day, that's why. We see this in Lamentations chapter three. And as I come to a close, as the musicians come up, Lamentations says, remember my afflictions, my wanderings, the wormwood and the gall. My soul continually, continually remembers it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. This I call to mind. And therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore I, ha I will have hope in him. Him and him alone. And I don't know who needs to hear these words, but you are so loved and you are so forgiven and the chains that may be in your heart, they can be broken 
in Jesus' name. The deliverance that you seek can be brought in Jesus' name. The healing that you seek can be found in Jesus. Church, we've been called to be a people to go out and share this good news. And sometimes sharing that good news looks like you looking in the mirror and telling yourself one more day. Lord, give me faith for one more day. Because I know you are faithful and I know you are good. And you might have crossed valleys and mountains just to come find me, even though I wasn't looking for you, even though I cursed your name, even though I pushed people away and I thought I was a nothing and a nobody. But for some reason, your word says that you love me, that I'm blessed and I have favored, I'm beautifully and wonderfully made, that you knew me in my mother's womb. And sometimes I feel like I'm just not that valuable, but you would cross the lake, Lord, to come find me. You would climb the mountains to get to where I'm at. He comes for the one, and that one can be you. Don't count yourself out, church. Healing has come. Deliverance is here, and his mercy is given. We look at this account in Mark, and we're reminded of that man again in the tombs. And we look at ourselves, and I close with this saying that N.T. Wright has about this text. It says, Mark is telling us to look at the bigger story. At the climax of Mark's story, Jesus himself, right? You saw this man in the tombs, naked, isolated, cutting himself, all these things. At the peak of Mark's gospel, Jesus himself will end up naked, isolated, outside of the town, among the tombs shouting incomprehensible saying my God my God why have you forsaken me he will be torn apart at the cross by the standard of Roman torture his flesh will be torn to ribbon by the small stones of a Roman lash and that Mark is saying will be how the demons will be dealt with That is how healing takes place. Jesus coming to share in the plight of the people. So let the enemy do its worst to him to take the full force of evil on himself to let others go free. Those those who have ears to hear, let him hear. Blessed are the merciful for they shall receive mercy. Healing has come, deliverance is here, and mercy is given. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word that teaches and guides and leads us. Lord, we ask that you would move in our hearts, that you would stir within us, Lord, that we would be ones to walk alongside one another. But we ask that you would compel us so much to give this hope, this mercy, and this freedom to others, just as you first gave it to us, Lord. Let us not think ourselves better, but rather let us think ourselves redeemed and wanting to see others to be redeemed. Lord, we love you and we thank you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And God's children said, amen.